Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So this is my weekly wrap-up video where I just grab a, a handful of different topics that I find to be interesting or something to expand upon and and kind of uh, dig into some of these different uh, really important topics that, that if anything, I, I want to encourage dialogue on. I think it's important you know, across the board that as a society, we start to talk more about things like markets, uh, obviously precious metals, but even just economics, you know, looking big picture, learning what things like economic data really can tell us and, and why it's such a deeply flawed uh, uh, mechanism in, in today's world. Of course, I'm talking about today's uh, quarter two GDP data that came out uh, from the U.S. government. But, but even beyond that, jobs data, unemployment and, and inflation, that's really the big one. I mean, and then monetary policy. We'll be talking some about the Fed and the, the European Central Bank and, and why these are topics that we need to, you know, as a society, understand much, much better. I mean, in the past, uh, I think there, there were times where the broader population had a better sense of these issues. For example, you know, what is the story with, with how the Federal Reserve got its name? They call themselves the Federal Reserve because they, they didn't want to call themselves something like, I don't know, the USCB, right? Like the US United States Central Bank or something like that. Because, you know, at the time, in the early 1900s, central banks were a very unpopular idea. So what do they call themselves? The Federal Reserve, somehow invoking themselves as, as part of, you know, the US government, even though there's some sort of a, a quasi-private institution that, if that's not crazy enough, has the power to, to print money. But but anyways, I digress. I'm, I'm going down some some trails a little bit too early in this video and I want to start off here just talking about uh, the market specifically precious metals now again not too bad of a week you know if we look big term here for for silver and gold they've had several up weeks I think gold has had a few more in a row uh, than silver obviously silver has had a really uh, good last uh, week or two prior to this week uh, but with this this quarter two GDP number that came out this morning um, basically that has sent the dollar higher right and metals down and the idea behind that is is with stronger economic data that could potentially prevent the Fed from from cutting rates as much as some people might expect now, July Fed rate cut, I, I still think it's going to happen. Regardless, you know, if GDP printed at 3.5% today, I still think, you know, Fed, uh, Jerome Powell and company are still going to be cutting rates in in uh, next week. Uh, but if we look beyond the July meeting into September and beyond, you know, that's the idea. But, but the interesting thing about economic data is that a lot of times it's forgotten about within a week or two even quarter two GDP, right? Uh, by the time the September Fed meeting rolls around, 
this is going to be out of people's minds, and they'll be focusing on the most recent jobs numbers or or PMI or, or inflation data, and and quarter two, though it is relevant, will be old news, right? Uh, but nonetheless, that has sent the dollar higher, has sent precious metals uh, a fair bit lower. Now, I'm recording this uh, Friday morning. If you can't hear a little bit of background noise, I'm just on my commute right now, but uh so I don't know the, the exact fallout of this and, and what metals will look like, you know, heading into the weekend. Uh, but, but as a whole, you know, with them heading a little bit lower on the week, not that big of a deal, right? Especially, you know, gold, I think, is closed last week, I don't know, 1425, 1420, something like that. You know, a close around 1400, even slightly below that, not that big of a deal because, uh, you know, corrections happen in the markets. They, they don't always move in a straight line. And, and, and if anything, we should be prepared for this. You know, same thing goes for silver. Silver had some very good closes this week, uh, you know, up around 1640, 1650, you know, etc. So, so all in all, I'm not too worried about a bit of a move down this Friday afternoon. Uh, we'll see what, what next week uh, holds in store. And, and, talking about next week you know the big news item that i think a lot of people are going to be focusing on is of course the federal reserve july meeting now there's been a ton of debate about exactly what the fed is going to do i think hiking interest rates is likely off the table but leaving them at their current position for, for quite some time was was a possibility. And, and I think most people have been swayed in the direction of expecting a 25 uh, basis point or, or yeah, uh, BIPs cut. However, you know, prior to today and prior to this data coming out, I think there were some people still potentially expecting a 50 basis point cut. You know, with this, this strong GDP data, I wonder if that's going to kind of sway the market somewhat and 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 you know market expectations you know who cares what the market expects but you know if you look in past history it, it oftentimes is the case that the that the fed does you know just what the market expects right it's not too often that the market gives something like a 20 percent chance of the fed doing action a and the fed actually does that right and and the, the idea behind, you know, uh, percentages or, or likelihoods or odds would be that, you know, 20% of the time the Fed would not do what markets are expecting. And yet, you know, if that is reasonably a, a above 50%, you know, for 60, 70, 80% likelihood of taking a specific action, the Fed seems to always kind of follow that because, of course, one of their uh, unstated mandates is to prop up equity markets and, and, and other important uh, asset markets here in the United States. And so uh, the last thing you want to do is, is act in unexpected manner and, and risk uh, some sort of a stock market crash or coming off as too hawkish or something like that. So, you know, with market expectations at 25 basis points, I think that's what we're going to get next week. Uh, the the response from the market, I think, is, is going to be really interesting. Because yes, we, we have, a, a you know, one piece of, albeit fairly important, piece of economic data coming out today suggesting, hey, the economy might not be doing as badly as we expected, right? Especially with very strong consumer spending in this quarter two GDP print. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if we come out, the Fed uh, cuts 25 basis points, quarter of a percentage point, uh, and the bond market says, no, it's not enough, right? 
you're behind the curve. And, and what you'd see then is, is a uh, you know, greater, I guess, inversion of the yield curve, uh, a greater move down, especially short-term interest rates, uh, essentially begging the Fed to cut rates or expecting the Fed to cut rates. It, it, in my mind, you know, if the Fed cuts 25 or 50 basis points as first meeting, it doesn't matter a whole lot. I think pretty quickly, the markets are going to be begging for more, the bond market in particular. And it's going to come. It's going to come eventually. Now, the other important uh, aspect of this meeting, which I think a lot of people haven't been talking about, is is the Fed's quantitative tightening program, which should be winding down here pretty quickly. Of course, I'm talking about their program to to uh, sell off uh, some of their, their treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. This, this began back in the fall of 2017. And I'm trying to think, probably early 2019, the Fed uh, kind of preemptively or or, uh, announced kind of an early end to the program, right? The idea behind it was that it was going to continue at a specific rate, about $50 billion max of of, uh, uh, assets coming off their balance sheet each month until it came to what the Fed determined was... I don't know, a, a normal sized balance sheet, one and a half trillion or two trillion or whatever. Of course, it didn't make it nearly that far because of we, we know from history that injecting credit into a system, injecting liquidity into the system is a heck of a lot easier than removing it. And the Fed tried to remove it and, and they were able to remove a very small portion of it, all things considered, before the markets absolutely freaked out, right? That was part of... Uh, the second half of 2018, when we had a, a pretty significant, uh, like a 19% drop in the U.S. stock market. So, anyways, that's something to watch as well heading into this meeting because a, if, I'm assuming they're going to continue to guide for for cutting or, or ending the QT program at the. I think it's September is the last month they're going to be doing it. Uh, but we we also have to keep our uh, ears open for any hints at quantitative easing, right? This is something I've talked about a, a, a handful of times on my channel. You know, another big uh, proponent of it here in the financial media would be a guy by the name of Luke Groman. Uh, this idea that the Fed is going to have to do QE here in the not too distant future. I'm talking six, nine months out. Not just because we need dollar liquidity, not just to prop up stock markets, but the U.S. fiscal deficit, that the Fed is going to need to monetize some of that debt because the the appetite for it is... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply is just not there, right? With foreign central banks and investors having really stopped buying it for the most part uh, for the last handful of years, uh, a lot of that debt has had to have been bought up by U.S. domestic investors, hedge funds and pension funds and all of that jazz. But 
they only can take on so much of this debt, right? And with the U.S. accumulating deficits of, of over a trillion dollars a year, meaning they're, they're basically issuing over a trillion dollars of bonds, new treasury debt a year, well, it's just not sustainable. I mean, I think the last numbers I checked, the domestic market here in the United States owns you know somewhere north of seven trillion dollars of, of U.S. Treasury bonds. Uh, so so for them to buy you know one trillion dollars in bonds, that's something like a, what a ten percent, twelve percent, fifteen percent you know increase in their holdings year over year, and that's not sustainable. I mean, they've taken how long? Uh, many decades to get to that seven seven and a half trillion dollars of holdings and then to add another another trillion in the span of a year or two that's that's not sustainable so so at some point the fed is going to have to step in and and monetize monetize some of that debt meaning quantitative easing buying bonds right because because otherwise you end up with some really nasty unintended consequences. I mean, first of all, there's just kind of the whole supply and demand aspect of it. That if if there's just not enough demand for bonds and, and the supply is steady or or in this case increasing, then well you risk the price dropping, meaning yields go up and all of a sudden funding the government, which is already deep, deep in debt, is more expensive. Especially since the the government has this habit as of late to roll over debt in a shorter fashion, shorter term fashion, meaning they they take advantage of you know one year or two year bond yields and the slightly lower interest interest rates versus ten or thirty year bonds, which actually make up a very small portion of the U.S. Treasury market, right? And so if you have all of a sudden uh, that demand. Uh, just not there and you see yields go up, all of a sudden funding the U.S. government gets a lot more expensive. I mean, this is another really interesting piece of this. I think it was, I forget if it's Luke Roman or somebody else and they were talking about not the uh, new increase in, in supply for the, the treasury market, but the gross issuance of, of U.S. debt. Debt that they're basically rolling over because they're taking out so much short-term uh, debt uh, months or, or years, a couple of years in the future rather than 10 or 30 years, it's like, I can't remember, $13 trillion or something like that, a crazy amount of gross new issuance of bonds, right? And again, if the demand for that is just not there from the broader market, the Fed's going to have to monetize, right? It's going to have to happen, QE. And they're going to spin some story about how it's providing liquidity or, or whatever, weakening the dollar. But Ultimately, it's going to be about funding the U.S. government. It's something that nobody wants to talk about, but but I guarantee you, six months from now, a year from now, it's going to be on the forefront of traders' minds, funding the U.S. government, right? Because because if it doesn't happen, you're going to have the the bonds continue to sap liquidity out of the system, right? Uh, but additionally, there's just the, the problem with... Uh, I failed to mention this earlier, but, but the problem with what's called, I think, primary dealers... Which are you know primarily just large banks that that buy from the Fed when when they go to raise new money right issue more debt and then they sell that to investors whoever that might be uh, and the problem with this is that primary dealers rack up larger and larger balance sheets of this bonds because nobody wants to buy it or, or not enough people want to buy it right. 
I mean, it's at what point does the U.S. debt problem, our, our fiscal situation, turn into almost like a, I don't know, like a, like a, a, a case where you have a bank, you know, underwrite some sort of, of loan or something like that with the intent of, of selling uh, portions of that loan to investors or whatever, and investors aren't buying it, right? That's that's a story from something like the, the, the junk bond market or something like that. At what point does that happen for the U.S. government? Well, I mean, the Fed is not going to allow it to go that far. They're going to fund that, right? So so that's really what I'm looking for in, in quarter three and quarter four of 2018 is hints at QE. Never mind rate cuts. Rate cuts are coming. But when does QE start? Because, you know, back in the day, people predicted QE round three, which, if I remember right, ended in, what, 2014? That uh, that was QE Infinity. QE3 was not QE Infinity. We actually had QT before the next round of QE. But this next QE, QE4, it's going to be QE Infinity, right? Because that appetite for U.S. debt is, is not going to return, at least at large enough uh, levels to, to fund the government. And the U.S. debt problem isn't going away, right? If anything, deficits are only going to balloon more and more when we uh, head into a recession, when we have some of these you know, crazy ideas from the left, right? and, and to some extent already being embraced by some members in the right, uh, things like Medicare for all, or, or single payer, or universal health care, whatever you want to call it, or student loan debt forgiveness, or, or massive infrastructure spending, right? adding to the debt in that nature is just going to balloon these deficits even more, especially if we're heading into a recession. So anyways, uh, the, the European Central Bank is, is another you know, central bank I wanted to discuss real quickly. They had their you know, meeting or announcement earlier this week, and, and surprise, surprise, I mean, they're basically heading towards cutting rates again. I mean, if I'm correct, I, I want to say the the ECB, their their current you know key interest rate, their their bottom interest rate, is at like negative forty basis points, right? Negative point four percent, which is really low. I mean, the Fed, as as dovish as it is, is you know at I think two point four percent or something along those lines, between two point two five and two point five percent. And yet the ECB is likely going to, well, do whatever it takes, right? For Mario Draghi's, I think, last time uh, as, as head of the ECB in September, they're hinting that they're going to be cutting rates, even more negative, right? But what was really interesting about this, this announcement is the ECB really going after Germany uh, as, as a country for their you know, failure to stimulate the European or German economy with with fiscal spending, which which tells me that the ECB is is really worried, not just about the economy, but that their ability to to move markets to to control prices, control markets, is greatly diminished. Like this is this is the the worst nightmare for a central bank, a central bank that is essentially impotent, cannot um, um, you know prop up or, or induce uh, stimulus through their 
through their tools, right? Interest rate cuts or QE, right? So, I mean, the ECB, I think, fully believes that they have some room to maneuver, right? A small interest rate cut here, some more QE there. But they, they know that they have really run out of, of stimulus, big, big amounts of stimulus to, to uh, combat the next recession, right? They can do what they, they can to, to maybe try and stave off a recession for now. But when the next one comes, I think they're legitimately worried, which, you know, is music to my ears, I guess. But uh, it's, this is something that many of us have predicted for years. And, and you know, I think the, the big story here is not when uh, the ECB, uh, as well as markets realize that, but, but when markets as a whole realize that, that the Fed, the Bank of Japan, Bank of England, um, all those central banks are in the exact same position, that they no longer have uh, enough stimulus to, to prop up markets. Anyways, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting week next week with the Fed meeting. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, and, and I hope you are as well. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for, for watching this video, listening to this podcast. Thank you for, for being a supporter of this channel in any way.